All right. Well, good morning again. If you're visiting, uh, my name is Peter, and I serve as the lead pastor. I'm really excited to launch into a three-week series in the book of Titus, all three chapters in the book of Titus. Uh, Today, uh, we'll talk about the importance, again, of healthy order. You know, health is one of those things that I think invariably we take for granted until we're sick, right? I mean, think about it. When your nostrils are functioning correctly, you don't really think about it, right? But when the cedar blows in or whatever makes, makes any, even just either one of them, it's a little off. Man, you know, and you cry out and you pray, right? <laughs> and order is similar to that. All of a sudden, order becomes so sexy if you've ever experienced extreme disorder, right? Like if you've ever been a refugee, not many of us, or how about if you've ever watched in 2016 the uh, crazy election shenanigans happening and you're just the least bit aware about the potential implications of all the crazy, Uh, healthy order becomes even greater thing. Healthy order, and we're going to seek God's word today, the most refreshing thing that stands above us. And so we're going to stand to our feet and honor God's word. We're in Titus 1, talking about healthy order. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. It goes like this. Paul, a servant or slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and for their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order. Everybody say order. Order. So you put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. This is God's word. Thank you, you can be seated. Jesus, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. Amen. Verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, is what he said. It's a huge purpose statement. Let me ask you this, have you ever desired to hear from God about why it is that you are where you are in life? Like a word from God. Here's why you're here. 
This is your life purpose. This is pretty important. You know, in one of my favorite movies, there is the young protagonist who had a moment like this. He, earlier in life, had run away uh, to flee his homeland because of a traumatic experience of seeing his father brutally murdered. And he finds protection from a generous friend and begins nonetheless to emulate the lifestyle of his friend, which is far different from the lifestyle this young person, this young protagonist was called to. And rather than living out his own calling, he begins to live this decadent and detached worldview out. Following after this pacifist warthog friend uh, that happened to have a problem-free philosophy. <laughs> of course, he, uh, I think in my mind, it doesn't say this in the movie, but he could have a problem-free free philosophy because probably things were free for him. I think he was abusing government subsidies to prop up his lifestyle, but that's another thing. You see, the thing is, is you will have no worry for the rest of your days, but you won't have any purpose either. And that's why Simba had a moment with his father in the middle of all this. From running from his purpose in life, Simba's father, Mufasa, calls out to him, and let's just say it's in a dream so that we can retract any potential divination issue with this moment. But he says, he says, Simba. That's my, my best James Earl Jones voice. Just go with me here. He says, Simba, you are more than who you've become. You must take your place in the circle of life. Remember who you are, my son. My son, the one true king. Remember. 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 It goes on. It says it a lot of times. But listen, I think this is reminiscent of Paul's message here when he says, Titus, my true child in the common faith, remember, this is why I left you in Crete. Now, I think we all need these moments of reminders of who we are and therefore why we are here. Okay, it goes in that order. Before we can get to what we do, who we are, and why we're here. Healthy order proceeds from this. And Paul's message to Titus was a huge message that was extremely important. You know, Paul, at this moment, most... uh, theologians believe that this was kind of his uh, second wind. Paul thought he would have been dead almost a decade before in his first imprisonment that we have recorded in the book of Acts. But Titus and the two letters to Timothy are recorded later in life when Paul kind of gets a second chance at life after his second imprisonment. And so he is distilled at this moment what he believes is even most important with this second chance to give a message to people, not not expecting that he's going to live longer and grateful that he lives in the first place, he says this extremely important message written in this very short letter to Titus. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. Paul's saying what's most important is a culture of multiplied leadership. That's what puts things in order. That's why I've called you. This is why I left you in Crete, young Titus. This is why you're here. And it's important to know, too, that the order that God was calling Titus to was in direct contrast with an extreme disorder 
in Crete. I love what it says in verse 12. He, Paul starts talking about kind of the culture in Crete. He says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. And you would think he would go on to say, but I know, I don't want to offend you. That's not true. That's just what he says. But no, in thir- verse 13, he says, this testimony is true. <laughs> Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. You see, what Paul's saying is, you know what, your culture is a mess. But that doesn't mean that the church of the living God will be a mess. I said, that doesn't mean that the church of the living God will be a mess. We can have a healthy order in the midst of chaos and rampant disorder. Any Americans in here? Most of us? Any Christians that want to see the order of the living God reorder us? We must dare to foster healthy order, uh, really a countercultural movement that comes against our culture around us, that we could be actually a, a city on a hill, or better yet, uh, springs in the desert. Isaiah 43, 19, the Lord says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And family, here's my goal in these three weeks. I want to strengthen and organize the church by God's word. Next month, we are going to launch out and engage our community like never before. It's going to be wild. We're going to launch off from Easter and do some pretty amazing things together. This month, we're going to see God restructure our hearts, put things in order. Next week, we're going to go through the the rest of chapter 1 all the way through chapter 2 and talk about healthy doctrine. The week after that, go through chapter 3 and talk about healthy citizenship. We don't have to wait and look and see the news to see what, it, what, what our culture is going to be like. We can be submitted to God as citizens of a higher kingdom and redeem the culture that we're in. Today, we're going to dig deeper into these verses we just read and unpack them and talk about healthy order. Now, full disclosure, when I was reading through this this week, I was walking around and praying, which is how I tend to pray. Um, no distractions of things when I'm sitting, right? So I'm walking and praying, and I'm saying, God, I'm afraid I could really make this boring, this sermon. Because at, at first onset, it seems like, oh, this is just talking about church structures and protocol and, and stuff like that. But what I realized is, well, first of all, I tend to be boring. The word of God is not boring. That's, that's the perception issue there. But I think when we talk about structures and church protocol and right order, so often it's what we take for granted. I mean, imagine if men growing in being this sort of man that's described here, imagine if that's how you grew up, the home you grew up in. How much different would your life be? How, how many insecurities could you overcome and shed? What, what, would, what would your job look like if, if, if your bosses were structured with this sort of order? 
Now, the real question is, is what will things look like emanating from you if you tap into the springs that bring this sort of thing about in your life? What sort of order will flow from you if you connect with Jesus at a heart level with the things that he is doing to set in order here? What would, what would our nation look like? I mean, I think America could truly be great. But listen, I think something that's, that's even better, that's always been greater than America, is the church of the living God. You know what? The church has, has overcome many counterfeits and, and many lies of various cultures for millennia. And God has preserved and strengthened her by his word. And you know what? You will be a part of the greatness that flows from her, or you'll be a part of a lesser disorder. I pray that today you could connect deeply with the order that comes from God here. You can ex- Here's the other thing. You can experience the, the exhilaration and the security of a healthy order in Christ and, and the covering and protection of his church walking together, or the, the temporary things of lesser disorders. Now, my story was this. This is, I grew up with disordered passions and disordered loves. I loved other things. I, I, I had a problem-free philosophy. The problem is, is I kept causing problems. For me and for others, I couldn't avoid my own perversions. I caused problems for me, for young women around me, and my problems weren't as bad as other people's problems. So I tried to make myself feel better about that. But it was, it was all in the category of disorder. And Jesus brought me into a relationship with himself through a campus ministry. And all of a sudden, I, I see order. I saw what, what seemed to, me, to be normal to who is now my wife at the time. Like uh, her dad and mom sitting down at the table and eating dinner and praying together. And things like that just blew my mind. And I got to see under the protection of healthy order what, what the Bible is meant for our lives and the exhilaration that can flow from being secure in God's will and launching off from a place of healthy foundations. Healthy order. And so for me, the disorders of my life that God has since been reorienting in my thinking, in my seeing, in my, in my living come from a foundation that helps me to cherish the words that are spoken here. So this is my desire. I want all of us, as we read back through these verses, I want us to look and first of all, on one level, all of us say, Jesus, thank you that this sort of design is what you designed us to live under, to aspire to. That no one can design a structure of any sort of government or authority like you can. And so I want all of us to look and exalt in God for what he does and how he structures and orders and secures us. And number two, I want it to get personal. I want all of us, regardless of if, if the office described is something that you aspire to, the office of elder that we're going to read about, regardless of if, if you're ever going to actually apply for that, you can you can embody by God's grace the things that contribute to healthy order or not. 
The question is, is, is your heart ready for more of Jesus in this area or not? And God can tell of the implications and the beauty that comes from that. So, verse 4. He says to Titus, my true child, in the common faith. Most of us, until we look deeper into it, don't see how controversial this was. Titus was the, perhaps the first outright Gentile, uncircumcised, leader in the Christian church that church that was this high up in stature. Completely Gentile, completely against the rules, technically, of the Jewish traditions, but not against the scripture, not against the true common faith that he shared with Paul. And so even though he could be insecure about the things that he was called to do, he was affirmed by God and his word. How many of that's us? How many of us have things to do And it's so easy to be insecure about who I am as I go and try to do what God's called me to do. Having that affirmation that you are a true child is everything. It was important to Titus. It's important to Simba. It's important to you. You know, a healthy order is birthed from an unshakable conviction of whose you are as a child of God. Healthy order is birthed from an unshakable conviction of whose you are as a child of God. If we don't have that as the, the controlling awareness of who we are in him, then everything else spins out of control. I'll tell you this. Sexual identity problems are not sexual identity problems before they're identity problems. We can argue all day about what's your preference versus my preference versus his preference versus her, her preference. You know what, what the issue is, is who are you? Whose are you? Who has God called us to be? Issues with what am I called to do? What, what kind of, when, 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 when you see someone, you meet someone new, what do you say to them? We say, what do you do? Right? Well, the, the issue we need to get down to is, is instead of our occupation or what, no, who are we? Whose are we? To Titus, my true child in the common faith, verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remained in order in every city. One little thing I love about this is you would think that order comes from, you know, getting the leaders together and centralizing everyone. But just a small note, he, God was interested in spreading leadership out and making sure that the, the spread and the, the health came through spreading leadership and that, that there wouldn't just be a few or elders and people aspiring to this, but that it would spread to the whole body in every city that, I've, that you've been called to. Put what remained in order. Appoint elders. You know, this could be read like this. Put what remained in order by appointing elders. It flows from that. How do you put things in order? Appointing elders. Elders here, this word used is presbyteros. One who, who has authority over another, in essence. The Greek word, that's what it means. One who has authority over another. When it talks here, this presbyteros, it's talking about male leaders. I'm going to make a blanket statement right now. 
That's completely true. You ready for this? It's a little bit controversial, but we're going to get into it. Healthy order is healthy male leadership. Healthy order is healthy male leadership. Now, here's the irony. Most people prone to being averse to that idea, against that idea, it doesn't come from a state of knowing this is healthy male leadership. It's actually from the opposite. It's having experienced personally unhealthy male leadership and reacting to a state of unhealth and saying, no, that is sexist, that is, uh, that, that, that's regressive. But the irony is, is the people who most feel that is the people that this truth is most powerful for. The people, the reason that you, someone would be against that idea is precisely the reason why they need this protection given by God. Healthy order is healthy male leadership. Now, I have three beautiful daughters. I do not want them to be held back or pushed down by anything. I want them to seek the calling of God on their life and not to be held down by anything. I want them to be propped up, and therefore I want them to be rightly secured in God's word. And yet yet I am not going to allow for them to go out in our culture and allow the culture to define who they are. That's regressive to me. Our culture fails to distinguish between men and women and therefore robs women of their distinct, beautiful identity of whose they are as as daughters of God. So listen, God's word doesn't hold women back from the opportunities that men have. God's word protects women from the pressure to feel like they have to be men to have value. And it secures them in a lane to thrive as powerful women of God and not getting their identity that says, oh, I have to become a man and have all the opportunities that men are supposed to do. And No. I've been married for almost 10 years now, and I don't think I would be alive still if that weren't the case. (laughs) And I have a beautiful wife that is fully woman that allows me that complements who I am so that I can be fully man. It's a great design that God has had. And it causes me to look at the responsibility that I have in life and as a father, as a husband, as a church, and and look with fear and trembling at these verses and say, man, if this is the way that God designed it, and it's unchanging, it's always been the same throughout all sorts of different cultures, and God doesn't change and his word doesn't change, Here's one thing that does have to change me. God's design is beautiful. And for me to rightly lead my daughters and for us to have a healthy order that protects and projects the type of multiplicative growth to every town that God has directed us, this sort of healthy male leadership is something to get on our faces and pray about and something to aspire to. So, just what kind of healthy male leadership is it talking about? Because look, male anatomy is not just the only qualifier for what God's talking about, healthy male leadership here. And unfortunately, too many generations in the Christian church have stopped there. 
And that's why there's a reaction, an emotional uh, exchange when, it, when we're talking about what seems repressive, but actually is protective. So what kind of man? Verse 6, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Stop there for a minute. Above reproach is a, a Greek word here used, anakletos, which means blameless or unaccusable. means that there's no skeletons in the closet. There's no secrets yet to be unveiled. Or or borrow a political term, this person has been vetted. I love how it says the husband of one wife. I mean, this this is a statement that speaks of fidelity. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you as a person... Let me ask your emotions something. How important is sexual fidelity for a man in leadership? I mean, what do your deepest hurts tell you? Very important. Sexual fidelity, the husband of one wife. Then it goes on to say that he has his his children in order. He makes them a priority. Uh, in Timothy, it says, why would, he, why would he be over the house of God if he can't reside over and be a presbyter over his own house? We could stop here and just pray, Lord, help us. But it goes on. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He uses this word again. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, does this mean that an elder doesn't sin? No. That's not what above reproach means. Here, one of the commentaries I read was so helpful. It said that it's not saying that an elder doesn't sin. It's saying that this type of person is not controlled by a besetting sin like the rest of the culture around them. See, there's, there's a difference. I can say I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. But in Christ... We're no longer controlled. We're no longer slaves to sin. And an elder is not controlled by a besetting sin. He's self-controlled. Because the Holy Spirit has empowered his self. It says in verse 9, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he can be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. We know that an elder... One of, the, one of the requirements for someone leading is that they can teach. But listen, you can only teach what you first learn. I love here how it says that before he gives instruction, he is to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. You see, you can only be, be in authority when you're under authority first. A man in authority must first be a man under authority of God's word. Now, how about you? Can you dare to make this personal and personal and, and read back through these and, and examine your own heart and judge yourself a little bit? You know, you're either going to contribute to the life of healthy order or to the, de- the death of real, really painful disorder. So can we look back through this? I think the bad news here is that most of us, 
more regularly. Well, most of us aren't elders structurally. If you want to look at our, uh, if, by the way, if you have questions about our elder structure, our leadership structure, it's springstx.org forward slash leadership. Um, but I can tell you, I'll just give you a preview. Most of us aren't elders and we're not supposed to be. But how well do we do holding up what God called us to, calls us to, to aspire to? The news is you and me alike, we contribute to a disorder left to ourselves. And the implications of it are, are painful in the church. We, here's the, the crux of the issue. Verse 4 it says, To Titus, my true child in the common faith, we are so insecure in whose we are that when it gets down to, this is why I left you in San Marcos, in South Austin. This is, this is why you're here. This is why you come to the springs. We so struggle to hear God's word for us and to listen and obey because we, we, we're insecure with who we are. And therefore, we're not above reproach. We're reproachful and we're rude to others. And because of that, we, we don't secure our sexuality and protect it for our spouse. And, and the, the folks that we, we lead, the same emanation of, of disorder comes from that. We're arrogant, we're quick-tempered, we're, we're violent, we're drunkard, we're, we're greedy for gain, and we're not hospitable. Listen, we, we say things like this. You know, once I get myself on the right foot, you know, then I'll help other people. But that never comes. God doesn't say, hey, if he has enough uh, ability and money, then he should be hospitable. No, we're supposed to be hospitable. But we tend to be waiting for some magical moment when we we can be generous to others. And it never comes because God says the time is now and we're not listening We don't hold fast to the word. We're not self-controlled. We're entertainment-controlled. It says we're we're to be a lover of good. We're a lover of comfort often, more than we're a lover of good. Let me ask you this. What needs to be reordered in your heart? What needs to be reordered in your heart so that the healthy order of God can come into you and flow through you. When you read through these things, what what stands out to you? What is the Holy Spirit telling you? And listen, here's the good news. Good news is this, is none of us bring healthy order to Jesus. None of us. The only option is, is the trade of our disorder brought to the cross and he flows through us so that we can live out his healthy order. The only reason is this, is that he knows who he is and he came with a mission. He is the true child of the living God, the only begotten son. If Titus in verse four is a true child of Paul in the common faith, Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 5, this is why Jesus came to the earth, to put everything in order under his rule, and to appoint apostles, to launch the church, 
to bring order to all of us disorderly. Jesus is completely, perfectly, eternally blameless and above reproach. He's the husband of one wife, the church. His children, because of his spirit, are not open to debauchery or insubordination like I used to be. I am new. And he is our overseer. So for you to bring all of your disorder before Jesus, can you come away and say, Jesus, reorder me. Order my steps. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please. I said at the start, I really desire for us to exalt in the order that comes from Jesus. And I desire for us to, to go and, and go from there and say, Jesus, what do you want to do for me from here? Here's what I love. Every faith structure calls you to worship it. Even, even atheism is a religion. You have to abide by a certain creed and believe certain things and give your heart and life to a certain uh, pattern of thinking. Everything asks of you to give to a, a, a creed, a cause, a, a thing, a club. Jesus is asking you to surrender your disorder to him, particularly who's already come to reorder the universe. And he proved it by living a life of order and then dying the death. That's a perfect penalty for our disorder. So whether or not you've heard this message before and, the, and, and right now you're still living in, with various states of disorder or maybe the, this might be the first time you've ever surrendered your disorder to Jesus. What he is doing, he is reordering our hearts in him to be able to launch out and continue to do his work. What I'm going to ask of you is to surrender to a person who's here, whether or not you know him or you're right now coming to know him. I'm not going to ask today. I'm not going to ask you to come forth. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, though, that if you know before God that this is the first time you are to surrender to the Lord Jesus, I'm saying, even as you sing this song, I surrender. Let this be your prayer. And you know what? Jesus is so powerful that he can literally make you new even as you're singing this song. If that's you, I invite you to do that. The rest of us, let's exalt in Jesus and his order and surrender yet again to who he is. Sing with me. All to Jesus I surrender all. To him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. 
thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow worldly pleasures all forsaken take me Jesus take me now I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for surrendering your life so that we could live a life of surrender to you. We celebrate you, Lord. We ask for great things to come from us. And we continue to trust that great things only you can do in us. And we surrender to you for your kingdom. Amen.